internet brand strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford of Mindful Aging. We're going to talk about a topic that's hot in the news, at least it is with their blog and I would suggest you guys get your uh, sign up for their blog and get their newsletter because it's fascinating. And I want to talk about today this concept of living apart but together. So who wants to start? What does that even mean? I know. And, you know, when I first started investigating this, I was looking at seniors, but it turns out there are about 3.8 million people in the U.S. that are currently living apart together. And that increased by a third during the pandemic. I think we can kind of figure that out, what was happening there. But as it turns out, you know, it's not something that just older adults do, but a lot of them are moving in that direction, but younger people as well. They just see the benefits. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to <laughs> pick up your clothes. I don't want to cook for you. If I'm tired, I want to go to bed and not have anybody bothering me. I don't want to listen to your TV. I don't want to pick up your clothes. I mean, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I think, you know, I was reading about some uh, specific stories that people had and they're you know older women who are widowed they just don't want to they may find a relationship that's romantic they really like it but they don't want to move in together they don't want to be a caretaker they don't want to be the quote-unquote wife they they got their separate interests their their separate space and they like it that way and it's really working out for a lot of couples yes been there done that like i've already been married i've already raised kids taking care of my dad you know and it's funny because i had a guy that who has a lot of money he's handsome he's all these things he's told me his foot was infected like two weeks ago now he has a uti and he really needs somebody to take care of him and i'm like that's the end of you like i don't want one more living thing i told the kids on my birthday don't even get me a plant Like, I am so done with taking care of anybody else. If you need food or water, walk on by. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the whole idea. You know, I think there is not for everybody. And there are things to work out, you know, as a couple, because it is considered a romantic, intimate relationship. So, you know, there could be caregiving needs, as you mentioned, in the future. And I think those have to be negotiated and talked about ahead of time so that the expectations are clear. Right. What's going to happen? I think one of the things that we traditionally have seen before now um, are people who are a couple who are elderly. Maybe one of them is starting to have some very strenuous physical needs for assistance. And so that person, everybody sort of focuses on and it may become evident that the other partner is not able or willing to take care of that other person, to be the home caregiver, the family caregiver.
caregiver. And so that person we've seen has moved one partner to an assisted living or very frequently memory care. And the other person stays home and there have been all these consequences mm-hmm. of feelings, of feeling of guilt. Leslie, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. And with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. And you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the things I love about HelloFresh is the pre-portioned ingredients help me cut down on food waste. And these step-by-step instructions make cooking a breeze. My kids can help. My dad can help. It's really the way to make my home the hangout place this summer because we've got such great meals such as hosting a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie. HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch. You know that it is peak time for summer produce and HelloFresh makes sure you get all the best picks of the season all season long and their ingredients travel from farm to your door in less than seven days for quality you can taste. Now we're talking today with Leslie Uckford and a Amanda Lambert about living together but apart, meaning we have two different residences or sometimes we put a partner in memory care. And this is so helpful. HelloFresh is so great because it's so much more convenient than grocery shopping. And did you know it's cheaper too? It's also 25% less expensive than takeout. So I want you guys to go to hellofresh.com slash coachtalk50 and use code coachtalk50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash coachtalk50 and use code COACHTALK50 for 50% off plus free shipping. If you haven't been to HelloFresh in a while, get on the site, check it out. You'll be so glad you did. Now, you were talking about when when people live together, they're together in a relationship, but they live apart because one family member goes into memory care. The other one might feel guilty. There's all sorts of things that go on. Oh, I should be over there too. And it's not just the, the wife or the other spouse who feels this guilt. I have actually seen um, the wife need care and the husband and wife move to an assisted living together. And then the husband is just so sad, he moves back to the house. Yeah. And, and then you find that some of the adult children have an opinion about that. Like, how Are you can kidding? you abandon Everybody mom? has an opinion when you have someone you have to take care of. Everyone. That, but, you know, something just occurred to me, Leslie, when you were talking about that, I thought of another possible benefit. So let's say that an older adult couple decides to live apart together. When caregiving needs start to increase, I think it takes the pressure off of, I mean, most women are the caregivers, right? The primary right. caregivers. And it, and it probably creates a situation where other people in the family may feel the responsibility of pitching in to take care of someone. Because if you've got the couple living together, that's tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough for other family members to go, oh, well, I'll volunteer, you know, right. when you've, you know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. it kind of creates a more sort of equal dynamic in terms of caregiving, potential for other family members to be caregivers. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, I think, you know, like speaking from experience, I'm just going to say everybody should go into this scenario expecting World War III. Anything less than World War III 
is a bonus. Like if you can even get to a, a somewhat agreement with siblings or partner or caregiver, like, you know how when you buy a house, they always tell you, oh, you need to get 80% of what you want, then buy the house because there's no 100%. Going into any one of these situations, if you can get it through with 50% agreement, winner, winner, chicken dinner, because there is no keeping everybody happy. And then you get everybody happy and then some, you know, somebody changes their mind or they have second thoughts or they have like caregiver remorse or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. these things are, it's human nature. So if you just kind of expect it to be a mess, then anything you can get moved forward is a celebration. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe you should take that recording of that and hand it to everybody in this situation. Like, here are the ground rules. Yeah. yeah, because everybody has an idea of what is best. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not a traditional way of looking at relationships, right? right? So I think there are probably a lot of opinions about that as well. I mean, some are going to be positive and some aren't. Some are going to be, well, you know, if you're married, why aren't you living together? You know, it just doesn't, for some people, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I think it's, I mean, from the numbers I've read, this is just starting to grow and grow, this whole concept. Well, when I was in a relationship seven or eight years ago, and it was very serious, and I think I told you guys this, the guy wanted to get married. And I said, no, the house across the street is for sale. You can buy that. <laughs> And I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I didn't think that was, I thought that was smart. I got kids. I got an old man to take care of. I got two dogs. You're kind of a neat freak. Like there is no way this is going to work. So if we live across the street from each other, I can run back and forth. You can come for dinner, but you have your place and I have my place because not every lifestyle is compatible. You know, that's, it's so true. And, you know, another advantage that people talk about is just keeping the relationship fresh sure. and interesting, you know, because you, you're not together all the time. Like you said, who gets to watch, who gets to choose, you know, the Netflix series you're going to watch. So, you know, it's kind of like date night all right. the time. Well, you know, and I because do you think, yeah, it's different when you're in your 20s or 30s and you're getting married, you're building a family, you're creating a household, you're creating all this stuff. Fast forward, you know, you're 55, 60, 65, you've been married, you've been divorced, or maybe you're separated or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're like, um, I don't want to compromise and I don't have to compromise. You know, because the unit was there to have children. The unit there was to build a family. What's the point of getting together in a house? What are we building? Now, if you want to build a life together with that person, fly, be free, go ahead. But I'm not building. I have my life. I want to share my life with someone, and I don't want to pick up your clothes. Like, <laughs> You know what, Sandra? You should be a spokesperson for living apart together. <laughs> You, do, you are a living advertisement. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and we should talk about the cost of doing mm -hmm. this. Of course, not everybody can afford to have two households. Sure. Um, but again, we're looking at people who are also moving away from the typical, oh, we're going to get the family house with four bedrooms and two car garage. 
people, number one, can't afford that. Right. Um, so they're looking at different places, different apartment dwellings or townhouses, communities that really uh, create a space for being able to be a little bit more, think outside of the box, if you will. Right. Um, for example, I know in my mother's apartment community, there was a couple, they had already raised their children, they had an apartment, and they brought the in-laws hmm. to the apartment complex, not in their apartment, but in another building in their apartment, so that they're close enough right. to be very companionable family caregivers, and they have their own space too. And couples are doing that people with kids who are grown have that option too. So it, people are, are trying some creative ways to, to live together apart. Right. More well, than just about, take an example for me. I got two kids, the old man, the dog, and a big family. The person I'm dating right now is the baby of his family. His children are grown and his brothers and sisters are all elderly. They're not going to come visit. Mine are going to come visit. So instead of bugging the crap out of my spouse going, you know, you know, my kids are coming, my grandkids are coming, all these people are coming. And can, how are we going to do this? And he can sit in his house and be quite happy with his privacy. He can watch his TV. He can do all these things. Then in my house, I can have my kids there, the grandkids or whatever. Why do we have to smush it all into one house under the guise of a relationship if you can afford it? Yeah, and I, yeah, that's exactly it. And I, I did read that what some people are doing, they are, like you mentioned, Leslie, the family home, people will downsize from the family home sure. and move into like a condominium. And so they'll both, both people will inhabit the same condominium complex, but with right. two separate condominiums which is still saving money. I mean, if you sell a single family home in this country, you're probably going to do well. Right. Um, and then, and then buying a condo, but some people live down the street. Some people live further away. Right. Some people live like next door to each other, like in a townhome situation. It's just really fascinating to see all the kind of creative ways people have made this work. And, you know, I think when you read about it, you know, you read the more positive view of how it works out, but there is a lot to negotiate in terms of expenses, sure. you know, who pays what if you go out. Um, and again, the caregiving situation can be, you know, can be a little touchy, but yeah. it seems to be a, it seems to be a concept that is really catching on. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's, I don't think we're going to be going back from that. No, and we're living longer and we have more relationships, you know, I have only had one husband, but I have friends who've had more than one husband and more than one child with one husband. So now you're starting to go, okay, let's redefine family. Because if I'm, let's say I'm my neighbor, this is her third marriage, and she has five kids from three different husbands, and she's educated, successful, you know, the whole thing. She's with a guy now that's been married twice. He has two children, one with each wife, like, what is the family now? And mm. so how do you put, like, is your family, and then, of course, you know, you've got step-siblings or half-siblings. 
-hmm. So when it goes to go into grandma's house, because this is the problem they have, because I have the pool and they don't have a pool. And they're like, can my grandkids come and, you know, can my niece and nephew, can all these people swim in my pool? And I'm like, I need an org chart. Like, I don't know who all these people <laughs> I are. I don't know who you are. Right, because there's <laughs> siblings, there's half siblings, there's steps. And you've got five families between this couple. And that's not unreasonable. Wow. And then just to add some fun into the mix, the first marriage she had was one of those starter marriages at 19, two babies right out of the block. Then we had like this third family came in her 40s. So now you have a 20 something that comes with her baby. But my point is, we have to redefine what is family because it's not as simple anymore as just going, you know what, mom and dad are downsizing, so we're just going to get this little apartment and the 43 of our offspring in, in various <laughs> categories, you know, just have to get over it. I mean, in certain parts of the country, it's more prevalent in Los Angeles. There's lots of divorce, lots of marriages, lots of common law or shared children with no marriage. Yeah. You know, I would be really curious to see if anybody has any statistics on do relationships last longer? Is there a lower divorce rate for people who live apart together? I would be really curious about that because, you know, the divorce rate is so high in this country and Leslie, I was thinking about what you said um, about moving one partner into assisted living. And, you know, that seems like it seems like sort of the best of both worlds, because you know that your partner or your spouse is taken care of. But then on the other hand, there is that guilt. And mm -hmm. yeah, because I know situations where the couple has moved together. OK, so one person really needs the assisted living, but the other person doesn't. And the other person ends up doing the caregiving anyway, right. even in assisted living, because yeah. they're living together, right. right? I mean, they need things all during the day. So that caregiving role still persists. Right. So if you live there with a person, and you help, you're the caregiver. Yeah. And, and we all know that in, in, even with the best intentions, if a family member is in with a person who's in assisted living, the staff have a tendency to either one, give you privacy, that's the best motive, or two, they think, oh, good, the wife will take care of him. Yeah. And they come very slowly to that unit. So um, it, it's also based in reality because they typically have so many people that they're responsible for, but that does happen too. And that is not ideal. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was reading um, a story about an 87 year old woman who got together, she's widowed, got together with a um, 90 year old uh, man. And she had been married before her partner died. Um, and she decided, no way are we gonna live together? You know, we need to have separate places. And so this is the way she put it. I thought this was really funny. She goes, uh, Mac, the man that she's partnering with, has passed what I call the senior alphabet test. While toddlers learn their ABCs, we seniors have our RSTs, respect, space, and trust. Oh. Oh. I like that. Respect. That's nice. 
space. Yeah, so I thought that was good. So they're in separate condos conveniently in the same building and they've worked out, they've talked about the caregiving, what should happen. They've negotiated costs. Um, so it sounds like, and they're both thrilled with the with the situation. Um, it's re- just really worked out for them. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, 87 and 90 year old. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah. No, and you got to think about those adult children from both of those relationships, because even people who adore and love their elderly parents, once you're one of your parents passes away, picturing your, your remaining parent marrying is a big hurdle emotionally. And then we talk about the inheritance. Oh, yeah. And people get really, really sticky with, well, that belonged to my father, so you can't have that. I mean, I have I've known some people whose uh, parent has married um, past the age of 65. And when that person passed away, they went to go, you know, take care of the house. Well, the remaining, uh, the, the new wife, uh, daughters came barreling in before she even, my friend even got off the plane and just took everything they could out the house. Right. So mm. a lot brings forth a lot of ugly behavior when the, the sides are seen as tangible objects instead of your parent making decisions on their own. Right. One of my relatives has an interesting scenario. Uh, When my aunt died, he's my great, great uncle, but when my great aunt died and he, he remarried right away within like a year, a woman in his church, he didn't want to be alone. Everybody went bananas and she was married twice before and she's both husbands passed away and she has a very nice house and her family's like "Uh uh-uh you know you married this guy so what she did is she put a provision in her will that he can live there if she passes he lives there till the remaining of her days then the house is sold and given to her children so they have to he has to move out no, no, he can he can live there the rest of his days, but okay. when he dies, his kids don't get anything. Her kids do. So it's in the will, but I mean, maybe it makes sense to have like a prenup in these situations, or, or some, some sort of some exit strategy, some, like yeah, some exit strategy or or defining. Because um, I can understand how kids would get upset, especially yeah. when marriage takes place, you know, like a couple of months later, right? You know, and you're in your seventies. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah. so, you know, so to keep the peace, she put a, her will together and she said, okay, my husband can live here till he dies. When he dies, the house is sold and my daughters get the money. Mm. Because that's kind Jeez. of fair. It honors the relationship and it, you know, all relationships, it honors the new spouse, but it honors the children, you know, and mm-hmm. if the children have to wait, you know, four or five, six years until he dies, then oh well so be it i mean that's that's better than having a huge family fight Mm -hmm. exactly because yeah when it comes down to money and people's families you know it's it's ugly oh it is ugly yeah (laughs) even 
even without the second marriage, just because of the work that I've done, I just, I guess I just see this sort of, I get this glimpse into what happens with families when there's money involved. It's just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People just take leave of their senses. And so, you know, I think in terms of this topic, you're absolutely right. There, there have to be very well-defined financial agreements. Um, you know, you can't just, and, you know, children have a right to, to be concerned about that. I mean, that's legitimate. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, and you don't want to feel like either parents being taken advantage of, you know, somebody Mm -hmm. moves in, you know, because you're, you know, they're a freeloader. I mean, there's all sorts of ugliness that happens in this. But I think that's why, you know, there's, there's, you know, having somebody outside of the family that doesn't have an emotional involvement with the parties, whether it's a mediator, you know, a social worker, a therapist, you know, there are financial psychologists now that understand the psychology of wealth, the psychology of things. Um, I think of Dr. Ronit Lamy, she's a wealth psychologist that helped families navigate, you know, these big uh, difficulties. Cause let's say you have a lot of money and you wanna leave the money to your heirs and you leave everybody the same amount, but you say, okay, you get certain amount at 25, certain amount at 50, certain amount at 75. Well, guess what? You just told your kid you don't trust them financially. Right. Wow. Even though Interesting. It makes, yeah. So it makes logical sense going, okay, the parent wants to preserve the wealth, take care of the child through the whole lifestyle, you know, lifetime. But then the kid goes, well, what if I die at 50? Or, you know, what if I need it at 25? Or do you not trust me to govern my own inheritance? Hmm. Right. I didn't know there was such a thing as a wealth psychologist. That's interesting. You come up with a problem and somebody's going to solve it for, for a price, right? <laughs> and you know, just as you're talking about this, and we, you know, we're using the example of people who are legally married, but in our with our topic of living apart together, you almost need to be even more upfront with your adult family um, children about what your relationship is. And even if you're living apart, because how many times, Amanda, have we seen people who are just coming in to clean the house or, you know, just, I just drive her to appointments and they have the power of attorney signed over Mm -hmm. to them. So it doesn't have to be someone who lives with you who could take financial advantage of you. So in that case, you know, Amanda and I, our mantra is talk with the family, talk with the family, talk with the family. Everybody knows to needs to know what the plan is. And when it comes to finances, there's nothing more frustrating for people to find out, oh, well, I guess Bob took all of that or whatever, you know, it just, just so that everyone, like you say, can have that level of trust yeah exactly because there's there's a lot of you know legitimate um suspicion you know around these relationships um and we've seen it and we've seen how people can be i mean basically you know romance scams for instance romance scams are on the rise yeah 
But they're so also, exactly. you know, they're People also are so vulnerable. misunderstanding too, you know, like as a caregiver for my dad, my brother takes care of his finances, but I have a credit card. And so, you know, I filled up my car with gas, I bought some things and then, you know, legitimately, you know, my brothers and sisters are like, well, what are these expenses for? Dad doesn't drive. And I'm like, I'm driving dad to the, the gym where he swims four times a week, that's a tank of gas, you know, where we're going in my van with the wheelchair, with the whole thing, you know, and not that I needed to defend myself to my brothers and sisters, but if I didn't defend myself, they'd be like, oh, Sans like going out to dinner, or maybe she bought some gym clothes or, you know, whatever, because it's not a lot of money, it's not thousands, but if you are caregiving for someone like 11 years that I'm doing, 75 to 150 dollars a month in gas all of a sudden is 1500 dollars a year times 10 years oh she took fifteen thousand dollars like that's very it's you you know you can see it It adds up but transparency is key so that everybody knows what's on the same page so right i keep my receipts and i make a note of it like i'm reporting to the irs because Mm -hmm. if i go and my dad wants something it's his money you know so if he wants to go to like we went to outback the other day and i got a salad like a 16 dollars salad he wanted that 35 dollars steak now he's well within his right to have that it's his money he's not broke but if I go back to my brothers and sisters with a $50 bill at Outback Steakhouse, I want to show them, look, I got a salad because I was sitting with him. He got the $40 meal, you know, because these little things do cause big conflicts in family. Yeah, they do. And, you know, since we talked about romance scams, um, that would be an interesting topic for, <laughs> for a podcast. Yeah, well. <laughs> that and just scams in general. Right, um, just scams. <laughs> scams in general. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You so guys, that we well, can alert all age groups. Right. So everybody can be aware. If you guys like what you heard today, it's mindfulaging.com. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mindfulaging.com. Right. Um, we're here with Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford. We will be back again soon with another great episode. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach Talk Radio.